finding a way to do all this stuff and make the connections and, you know, and generate interest has been, is definitely a path that, you know, I, I'm intending to continue even once the trail is no longer, you know, my main focus. You know, I, I've got two little girls that are, you know, four and two months and they're, I want to raise them to hike and love it and find a way to make things, you know, do something. And, you know, just because it's not available or it's not a current option, that doesn't mean that it's off the table. And I think that it's going to give them that opportunity to see the world in a different way than most of us are typically taught. When we find ourselves wishing Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and today's episode is a little different, and it's all because of you. Your excitement for the trails, your sharing of the agony and the ecstasy, your infectious stories have inspired my next guest to focus his attention on creating a new national scenic trail. John, known off-trail as John Sprankel, has set his heart on establishing the Oahu Coastline Trail, which would be a brand new trail that encircles the 227 miles of Oahu's coastline. In this episode, we talk about how the AT, and all of you guys, inspired him to create this trail, what he hopes his young daughters will take away from this challenge, and his excitement over the adventure and father-son bonding to come. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with John. Well, welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you so much. This is an interesting conversation because it's not about a through hike that has happened yet, but it's about creating a, a place to through hike. Yeah, yeah. It, it's I'm. It's going to be a really cool process, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Well, then let's just dive right in. What are we talking about? So. I'm the founder of the Oahu Coastline Trail Project. Basically, the idea of this project is to develop a designated footpath that goes around the coastline of the Hawaiian island of Oahu. The plan is to stick to the beaches and move to adjacent roadways where needed. And so, yeah, it's kind of trying to stick to the, the more government-controlled areas, uh, avoiding public or, or, excuse me, private land or commercial land as we can. But other than that, you know, just being able to go around and see all that this land has to offer, you know, and and so as people come through, give them an opportunity to experience Hawaii without it being at strictly a resort or, you know, only surfing. So that's the plan. How much of it do you think is going to be a roadwalk? Well, so I, I spent a few hours one night going through using, um, you know, just GPS, you know, mapping and, and whatnot to kind of generally plan it. With my, my work as a consultant, I kind of drive around the island a lot anyway. So I have a pretty good idea of what I'm looking at. Um, like there's some areas where there's just not beaches. It's, it's roadway drops off into water. So I would have, if I had to guess, I'd probably say about, I don't know, 20% will end up there because it'll basically be, you know, continuing down a, a beach 
and then when you hit, you know, rocks or it falls away, then just move over to the, the roadway. That way you can continue around and then hop back to the beach when you get the opportunity. Do you think it will literally be, or from the research that you've done, because you haven't gone out and tested this path yet. You do that in how many days? So my my estimate is that it's going to take around 10 days. There's 227 miles of coastline by map. However, the coast of of Oahu has multiple military bases, the airport, harbors, things like that. So obviously we won't be able to go into those areas and that's fine. You know, that's, it's not about fighting against them to do, be able to get in there. It's about being able to go around and see what we can on foot. Part of what brought this up was the fact that in the state of Hawaii, there are no private beaches. All beaches are public. And so that was kind of the idea of sticking to the beaches. Yeah. When do you test out this theory? Like how long until you test out this theory? It's like the beginning of December, right? Yes. So December 4th, okay. uh, my dad and I are going to hit the trail. Uh, I'm flying him out from Georgia and we are going to hit the trail and put in at the War Memorial in North Shore and work our way around. Uh, we're going to go clockwise. Um, I felt like it was kind of important to go that way in order to put us on the correct side of the road for any roadblocks we have to do so we're not crossing back and forth. And so that'll put us right into the windward side of the island. And so that would be the, I think that'll also be a good trial time frame. You know, for those first couple of days, uh, it's a much less populated area. Uh, let's kind of get the, the trail legs going, get kind of re, you know, refamiliarize ourselves with our packs, our gear, um, all of that. So, yeah, we're going to work our way around. The crazy I hope is seven days. More likely it's going to be closer to 10, um, you know, with a 20 to 30 mile a day. Um, <laughs> so you're diving into the deep end right from the start. Uh-oh. You have to. <laughs> well, I know a lot of times, though, people kind of work into it. You know, the first couple of days, it's 10, 12 miles, maybe 15. Well, we've been we've, we've both been training. Okay. Um, admittedly not as hard as we probably should have however we're you know i grew up backpacking with obviously with my dad um camping doing all that with the boy scouts and so it was just constant every every weekend we were doing something you know and at least once a month we were camping and so you know we're we're familiar with that we're both army vets you know walking is, is just it's in our nature um and so with that you know also our kind of consideration here is it's almost all that's going to be a sea level elevation gain on the, on the coast itself is not much. I mean, there's a few areas, um, like in the Southeast corner, there's, you know, some kind of elevation gain through there, uh, up through the cliffs and the Hawaii scenic byway. But other than that, it's going to be, you know, moving between sea level and, you know, less than 10 feet above sea level. So it's really just get up, walk until we're done and go to sleep. So again, (laughs) crazy, the crazy plan on that one, but I'm going to be really interested to kind of check in with you guys as you go along, um, to see how plan meets actual. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my, I intend to, 
so my, my goal for this whole thing as I've started, you know, through social media, I'm yeah. kind of blogging the process of what I'm learning, who I'm talking to, what's coming out of it. And then I intend to video as much as humanly possible and be able to put it together into a documentary format. Um, but throughout the actual days on the trail, uh, I do intend to do some kind of like live stream aspects, you know, just little check-ins um, because it's not going to be just, it's not going to be a standard trip and a standard trail like someone doing the PCT or the AT because at all times you have relative access to, you know, the, the community. Yeah. You know, there's areas of course where you won't, but you know, we will be walking through downtown Waikiki and Honolulu. <laughs> we will be walking through Kaneohe and Kailua. Like it's, yeah. it's going to be there. And so the kind of cool transition between, you know, the, the larger, more um, austere trails. And this is that on top of seeing every beach that Oahu has to offer, you're also going to be able to interact with the population. You're going to see the things and, and go to the really cool places that typically you would only find out about if you were living here. Right. And I guess in that case, you know, because obviously on the other trails, a lot of times it's about also hitchhiking and things like that. But if you're, if it's only say 10 days and you are walking through these communities anyway, the, it kind of alleviates the need to do that because you're going to be there anyway. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that, that was one of the, the, facets about this in the early, early stages of just having this idea bang around in my head is that bringing an idea like this to Hawaii um, was part of the, the documentary aspect is I want to show as we're going along, walking past the, the arrival gate because someone flying in could literally grab their bag off of the belt, walk out, take a left and you're on, you're on the trail. Go. <laughs> and there's a street store you know, a mile down the road and you're there, you're going. And so there's none of the extra steps. You're not getting a ride anywhere. Of course you can, if you want to, mm-hmm. but you're going to pass, you're going to pass cool restaurants and cool, like, you know, Filipino markets. You're going to pass farmer's markets and grocery stores and, you know, any, any of that stuff, you know, at any point you could just jump off and go check it out, you know, pick something up, get, if you're walking through and you're hungry and it's lunchtime and you don't want whatever you have packed, you have the opportunity to just jump off and grab, you know, some fresh poke, you know, straight from the ocean. Yeah. It's right there uh, and you're good to go. It's almost like it invites somebody to, as opposed to, or to limit the amount of food that they're actually carrying and do more hunting and gathering along the way, so to speak. Yeah. I, and that's a big point for me that I, I hope that people will do is actually interact with this local population, this local economy, and really see it from, you know, from the ground view, not, you know, in passing on the way to a resort. Yeah. Because there's so, having lived here for two years, I mean, there there's so much more to it. I mean, I occasionally go to Honolulu or, or town, as they call it here, and I'll go occasionally, but for the most part, it's the local stuff that you go to and see and interact with, you know, and that would give someone a much more complete view of life here and expose them to, you know, these different things that, 
you know, in places that have such like an Asian influence, it's very different. And, you know, a lot of people I think would benefit from that both, you know, at the personal level, but also, you know, for a trip like this, like flying out and doing a through hike, but also gaining this extra experience. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's funny that you, that you say that because I, uh, way, way back in the day, I went to school at Hawaii for a couple of years and, uh, I was on the main, the, well, at that point it was the only campus between, uh, Kailua and Kaneohe, right across from the polygraph. Okay. Course. And I totally yeah. know what you're talking about. Like the best parts are not Honolulu, uh, and Waikiki and all of that. The best parts are North Shore and, the Bay and Diamond Head and all of that other stuff. Exactly. How are you, because I, I read on one of your posts that, that that was something that you were struggling, maybe too, uh, too uh, big of a word, but that you were torn between, you know, the staying right at the beaches or as close to the beaches as possible versus taking some of the other trails and things like that, or using some of the other trails that are already established to see other sites besides just what's at the beaches. Yeah. And that's, so I'm a habitual um, overextender on, on any plans that I have, especially if I have the time to, you know, think about it and, and plan it out for too long, hence the 30 miles a day. But I haven't haven't experienced a lot of these things and knowing kind of what goes into them. I think that it's it's the coast is so important for for the historical, ecological, uh, and social impact that it has on the people of Hawaii, um, especially you know, as, as you get through places like Pearl Harbor or anything, because it's on the coast. It's, we're going to go past it. Uh, I do intend to go in there and you know and let my dad. In, have him see these things that, you know, we've always talked about. Um, but, you know, with regard to Diamond Head, with regard to um, Cocoa Head Trail, you know, because the idea is to stick to the beach or the adjacent roadway, those trails, well, Cocoa Head, it, it's, you cross the road and you start going up and it follows along the roadway. It And it just will give you a greater sense of where you're at, add a little challenge, a little, uh, mix it up a little bit and also kind of bring the, the hiker face to face with some of the things that this, this land has experienced, especially within the last hundred years, you know, World War II, um, you know, any geo, any yeah, geological impacts that have gone on, um, you know, from the volcanic aspect of this island. And I think that those things are going to be, Oh, they're only going to be helpful, especially when I was kind of looking at, at it from the GPS perspective. And it was like, well, yeah, you could kind of hit these couple little beaches once you get past Sandy, but you, you really spiced it up by taking, by adding these little things in. And, and Cocoa Head and, um, Hanama Bay, those are huge and they're right there on the coast. Although Diamond Head at the top is. The, the issue I'm having with that is, you know, you have to move away from the coast in order to get to the entrance. You know, there's not much to the actual walk itself, but it's, it is such an iconic thing that, you know, it, it is far less imposing 
of a hike of an addition to this trail in my perspective than say, you know, taking on Mount Whitney from the PCT, you know, that's, <laughs> yes. you lock yourself in on that. Like either you go or you don't here. I mean, it, it's, it may add a little bit to your day, but the, the value of it, you know, again, you're seeing, you're going up to pillboxes that were used during world war two, you know, you're seeing, it, it is a big tourist area, but it's, it's just, it's such a unique thing that, you know, unless you happen to have a very particular lot in life where you can have seen things like that, it, it's very different. Um, and then once, once you're up there, you also have that, you know, bird's eye view of Hawaii, of, of Waikiki, uh, and, you know, what you would be basically facing next. And, you know, that's also a really cool, you know, change in perspective that I think a lot of people would appreciate. Uh, and then, you know, you come back down, follow the road around and you're right back on, on the shore and, you know, you head into town. Yeah. Well, and speaking of heading into town, I mean, getting through Honolulu and the airport, I think you were estimating trying to do it all in one day, basically. Correct? Yes. So, yeah, obviously we don't want, we don't want to camp on the beach in Waikiki. So something that the folks may not know, like I said, the beaches are public uh, up to the high water line because that is state property. From there, it becomes city and county of Honolulu. Uh, and they are the ones who have jurisdiction that states there's no camping on the beaches. Um, it's an effort to kind of curb, you know, the, the homeless population from sleeping there and um, trying to maneuver around that, trying to stick to kind of that gray area. Um also, I, I just generally don't would rather avoid being super exposed like that. So, yeah, I think that day is going to be an early start, you know, likely hit Diamond Head and then, you know, book it across town with a, a stop at the um, Japan Village Walk uh, in Ala Moana, mm-hmm. um, which is the main mall that's there. And... So that we can get past there and, you know, with any luck, because it basically goes for the, from the east end of Honolulu, you hit the industrial area at Sand Island and then the airport. So trying to kind of get over into that area as much as possible, because I would ideally like to be able to, you know, camp for the night. And then first thing that next morning is hit Pearl Harbor. Having done the, the Honolulu Marathon last year, it has helped me figure out, you know, kind of distancing and whatnot. So the plus side there is at least I, I'm somewhat familiar with how long it's going to take to move through an area. Right. So I, I think that that is definitely doable if we commit to it. Little did you know you were doing a recce. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> now, the idea for this trail it is fairly new, Correct fairly recent. Yes. Um, within the last year, it went from flying in two years ago and thinking, Hey, I think it'd be cool to take a scooter around the Island. Just in general, I thought it'd be Mm -hmm. fun to, okay, 200 miles. That sounds like a fun trip. And then honestly, uh, I, you know, it's, you are to blame for part of this. (laughs) It's all my fault. Um, so, 
I mean, I, I'm going to send you the bill. That's going to be a whole thing. Uh, so your wife and I was have training a for the marathon last year. <laughs> so a, a year ago when I was training for the, the Honolulu marathon, um, I started, I was like, well, I'll start listening to podcasts and, um, having grown up backpacking and camping, I was like, well, let me check it out. And I came across this and I started listening. Um, and I think the first one I listened to, oh, um, I can picture his face. I can't think of his name. He did the, um, triple crown, the calendar year triple crown. Um, oh, uh, prodigy, not legend. Yes. Yes. The prodigy. Um, with prodigy. Oh, wow. That dude is insane. Um, but like in a fun way. And so I <laughs> yes. started researching, started looking. And then it led me down the path of, you know, watching the videos, you know, from Dixie, watch, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm on to Darwin and just, just soaking it in, just always hearing it, thinking about it. And it really brought me back to a place where when growing up, my dad and I, you know, being in Georgia, we always talked about the AT. I mean, it was something we always had the map hung on the wall in the garage. It was always something we talked about. Um, it, it just, you know, never happened. So then it kind of, you know, as things move on and change and evolve and it kind of, well, what about backpacking around the island? And originally it was just something I want to do for myself, go out and try it. And the more research and, and whatnot I put into the actual concept of a long trail and something with a national scenic trail status, the more interest I got in what goes into the development of that. And with the, with this idea and I was like, you know, it, it offers so much more if it becomes a real thing. And so as I read the, the requirements, at least the general requirements for national scenic trail, I kept finding, I wasn't finding the roadblocks. I was finding more things that supported this idea than shut the door on it. You know, it has historical value, geological beauty or geographical beauty, um, you know, social impact that, you know, it exposes people to a culture that for the most part you're not exposed to, you know, in, in the lower 48. And also it provides an opportunity to inject more money, you know, through income and uh, whatnot into the local economy without it going through the resorts first. And yeah. I, I, I just see the land and, and it, it blows my mind every time that I'm on a different side of this island in a way that, you know, a large building or strictly, do, you know, focusing on a water sport is not going to do, at least for me. And I, I definitely believe that there's more people that are going to feel the same way. Um, furthermore, you know, as, as prior military myself and the military presence here, when I was, I was doing research from, for my MBA and I, I realized so much of the population of Hawaii is transient. You know, they're only here for a short amount of time and knowing more about the people coming in you know, from, from the U S you know, from the South and, and whatnot, you know, like w- we grew up going and hiking and camping and backpacking. And, you know, we had all this public land and access that is, yes, there are trails and whatnot here, but that level isn't, isn't available. Right. And yeah. so 
while while looking at that, and then it, it, like I said, it was just one thing after another, and I was like, well, these folks who were sent here for you know a tour, they would probably enjoy this as well. You know, having that opportunity, and, and it's kind of funny because everyone has their favorite part of the island. You know, like you mentioned, there, there's some folks who, especially those who love surfing, love North Shore. You know, if you like kind of the jungly rainforest, you like the windward side. So it, it exposes people to that and opens so much more up to them that I, I just, like I said, everything kind of just fell into place and kept working out and people kept responding to my emails. And <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're getting closer to scouting it out and it's really exciting. Yeah. From the sounds of things, though, you're not the first person to think of it. So, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it, it sounded like there were other people who were kind of playing with the idea, but it just never seemed to really go anywhere. Uh, well, so, there are people that have technically hiked around the island. Okay. Um, and I think there even used to be a long-distance, um, like, ultra-marathon type deal that went around the island. But what it did is it stuck to the the major highways and thoroughfares. Mm. So you can't go all the way around the island. Um, the northwest corner uh, is a uh, animal sanctuary. Uh, you can hike through it. You just can't drive through. So they would they would keep to H1, which is the main interstate going along the southern side of the island, uh, and then link up with the, the various iterations of the Kamehameha Highway that go around the, the remaining parts. Um, so that cut off section, that cut off Kapolei, that cut off Eva in, in the south, it cut off part of Pearl City, Haea, and it even cut off Honolulu, you know, because H1 goes more north uh, than Honolulu proper. And so those were about making their way around, but not in specifics, not with the same parameters that I'm looking at. And then, yeah, and so when working with uh, um, Meredith Spiker from the National Park Service, she um, she told me that there's different groups who have they they've been working on various trails themselves, um, and, and I believe both of them are what's called um, multi-use trails. So the big one is on the southern shore, so it goes from Diamond Head area along the southern part of the island, so through Waikiki, Honolulu, around Pearl Harbor, Eva, Kapolei. But then they're also looking at extending it up to Kaina Point. So Kaina Point is that animal wildlife area at the the top corner. And so it was supposed to be a multi-use task so that it, it kind of met various functions, but it was predominantly meant for bicycle use. And the big holdups they've had historically, because the report actually kind of went back uh, to like the 30s, and it was really cool. Oh, wow. The, the big the issue they 30s? have is, yeah. Yeah, well, so they, they did the research, and because it's been proposed many times to have a southern shore, not, not really promenade, but, a, you know, this kind of path that connects these areas um, outside of a strict roadway. And the holdups were always, the, the multi-jurisdictional use of the different roadways because it, it fluctuates between state, city and county, federal, and the way that 
they're going to impact and, you know, the amount of land it's going to take. Uh, and then, of course, you know, your private property that this area would go over. And so one of the conversations, and so those have been big hangups they've had. And one of the conversations I've been having with Meredith uh, is that, you know, the infrastructure that goes into that, of course, costs, costs a lot of money. Uh, it increases liability of people involved, both who are using it as well as who own the property that it crosses. Whereas my idea, you know, honestly, the more austere, the better. It's actually going to, you know, I would rather it not have, you know, paved, be paved the whole way. You know, it, it, if you're keeping to the beaches, you know, realistically, one, you should never get lost. Two, it's already managed between the state. It's already managed with, you know, the city and county for the, the various beach parks. You know, so the facilities are there, you know, water. They've got restrooms and showers. Um, not, granted, not super nice showers that are just rinse off from the ocean, but, you know, if that's something you need as you're going around, you have access. Right. Um, so that also would help prevent, you know, people from, you know, not exactly leaving no trace, as it were. So, um, and these are already in place. And so it, it opens, it makes it that much easier. Everyone already knows their jobs. They already do it. So it doesn't add anything. It doesn't take away from things. It doesn't cost more money. And, and you know, I said, if it's a grand scheme of things, the hardest part is marking it. I said, I will walk around and put the signs up myself. It doesn't matter. It's, if that's all it takes is, you know, essentially blazing the, the whole place, then, you know, that, that's easily done. Right. And, th- but then you have to also interface with somebody who can put it in a GPX or a, somehow map it. Right. Um, so it's it, kind of funny you say that. So yesterday I was actually really blown away. We actually got our first corporate sponsor, who's Gaia GPS. So, Congratulations. Thank you. I'm absolutely <laughs> blown away with it. I'm so excited. And so that's going to make it so much better than trying to run my, uh, you know, little running tracker mm-hmm. and piece it all together uh, on the back end. So because that, that was actually one of the big things that when talking with um, the Hawaii DLNR and the NPS is, you know, they said, you know, yes. Currently, you are not allowed to camp on the beaches. Anywhere? In, anywhere. Okay. Um, well, there there are specific areas that have, like, their own very unique things set up. And it's, like, off the sand. You know, it's, like, right there in the tree line. Mm-hmm. Um, like at Bellows Air Force Base. You can do that with permitting and, and whatnot. But at the same time, and they, they both said, you know, yes, it's not allowed because it's in order to curb the homeless population from moving onto the beaches. There's also, you know, the, the ecological impact of it. So, but, you know, we're, we're both, my dad and I are both familiar with how to do, you know, camp in a smart way and, and you know, reduce our impact. And, and part of that is going to be, you know, in, is being able to go through tracking our progress. You know, we're, we're going to hit roadblocks. We're going to hit places where we're going to have to double back and move around. And that's okay. And, and but so that way it will be planned, but it'll also give us the opportunity to mark ideal camping spots so that as we're doing this and as the, the overall, it's been, I've been told it's called a master plan gets put together. <laughs> then we can, we can show 
these are this, this would be the route. This is, you know, where we would go. These are the ideal camping spots. You know, these keep us out of, you know, camping on the beach here. This, you know, we're not crossing over private property, or if we do, we already have permission from this person to literally, you know, move from the beach to the roadway. And, you know, incorporate all of that. And so that'll give us a much cleaner view, um, especially once it's all done, of what someone would be looking at if they were to undertake this trail and they didn't have, you know, two years of experience driving around this island going, hey, that'd be a cool place to camp or, you know, I, I would rather not have to walk through this area. So it's it's such an amazing help and I cannot believe that it came through <laughs> just over a month before we actually put, you know, boots on trail. Yeah, you manifested it. Now, when you're talking about camping specifically, I mean, because to me, it's almost like Mm -hmm. camping is almost one of the more difficult things with this because you can't camp or whatever on the beaches. There are some parks and things like that, but not, you know, obviously everywhere. And so where can you... Where can you set or how can you set up camp as you go along that is that makes it a little bit more flexible as to when people need to stop as opposed to they have to do 30 miles and 30 miles and 30 miles in order to hit these specific camping sites? So um, my intention for that is basically just as we're going along, as we see ideal areas, because you don't want to sleep on the sand. It's it seems cool. It, it, it's not fun. Um <laughs> You, it's that's only a cool quick way to have your tent flipping around on it. Yeah. And um, you'd want to move into the tree line at, at the very least. And so, you know, especially looking, you know, from, from satellite view, there's areas where tree lines are going to be, you know, near non-existent. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of going to have to figure something out. And, and, you know, we may have to cross over the road, you know, move close more towards the interior of the island, um, just find kind of a, a a, a more secluded area. Uh, admittedly, it's going to take a lot more stealth camping than I, I was hoping by this point. Okay. Only because, you know, trying to figure out who we have to talk to and what, um, what changes to the permitting, um, verbiage will have to be made to allow for this. And so, but that's, that's, you know, apparently a, a big point of the, the master plan. And they've both, they both said, you know, this is, it's important to mark these areas and show them because if you go for 10 miles and you find this great little stand of trees that's out of the way, no one's house is nearby, you know, tag it. And even if you keep moving, then, you know, at least it's in there. You'll, you'll know, Hey, that's a good option. And then you can go back later to, to either, you know, ask permission to have that become, you know, more recognized or, you know, or if you find out that it's not available, then that's okay. You you at least know that. You're not trying to remember, hey, I was 20 minutes outside of Laie on the far side, and <laughs> but I don't remember where that good spot was. Yeah, those are always good measurements. I was about 20 minutes yeah. outside of here, and we did this, but we didn't do that. So that should put it about right here. <laughs> yeah. 
you've been talking to the American Perimeter Trail people as well, right? To kind of pick their brains because they're trying to do the same thing, but on a more massive scale. Yeah, it's far more massive scale. Um, yeah, I, I worked, I talked to um, Layla for like, we talked for like a good two hours one day. And it was just, it was the back and forth of each one of us had questions, you know, because like, obviously I, I'm going to be the one doing the trail and she's in, you know, the coordinator role. So she, mm-hmm. everything for her is, is that administrative, like, how do I move it forward from here, you know, and, you know, we were kind of bouncing those different ideas off of each other and impact issues that, you know, for first time, you know, hiking through an area, you know, that, that Rue's experiencing. And, you know, and people that are generally mistrustful of someone they don't know who's, who has a backpack on their back and camping stuff. And, and, you know, basically it's a face they don't recognize. Right. And they may not be the cleanest. Yeah. They, they may smell funny from a distance and that, you know, that is what it is. And, you know, and, or from my perspective, how they've managed to gather so much traction over such a massive scale and, and what how they're going to translate that and what their intention is from that point forward. Um, and so the, you know, and for them, you know, they're like, well, how have you made contact with the, the national park service or DLNR? And I mean, it, it's not, it's not rocket science. I literally Googled things, followed, you know, went down rabbit holes and just kept, I, I'd reach out to people and yeah, I reached out to some folks who just had no clue what I was talking about, had nothing to do with them, but, you know, I, I'm not afraid of being told no or that I've got the wrong wrong person because, you know, like my contact at, at the park service, she's been absolutely amazing and she's given me all this information. And right now she's literally reaching out to her counterparts in different places of the U.S. who have more experience with the development and recognition of national scenic trails. And, you know, and that, that's huge. And that's from you know, the, the body that's going to help move this thing, you know, down the road and get it to whoever needs to approve it. So, you know, and the, uh, you know, and I've had them, I've, I've worked with Alex Mayer. He, he has a few documentaries on uh, Amazon prime and, uh, he, he's managed to actually touch base with like the, the creators of the Hayduke trail, uh, I believe he also talked to the, the creator of the PNT. And, you know, so, and the PNT association has been great help. You know, they've sent me tons of information to go through and figure out how they managed to get to where they were going. And so my plan is to try to get this approved into National Scenic Trail status, you know, in less than 30 years, like they managed to do. So I think that'd be huge. But also, if I'm being honest, if, if I go through and the highest it make it goes, is, you know, a, a cool Hawaii state trail. I mean, I, I did a thing and had a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> yeah. And and the reality is that if if people know it exists, that there is a way to do it, they will come to do it, whether it's a, a, a national scenic trail or not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, as far as a, an undertaking for me, you know, like I said, I, I'm not an avid backpacker as much as I would like to be, you know, I, I'm, 
I'm a, a guy that likes to take on puzzles. I like to figure things out and, you know, find a way to make things happen. And, you know, as much of a, an excitement for the trip itself as I've had, finding a way to do all this stuff and make the connections and, you know, and, and generate interest has been, is definitely a path that, you know, I, I'm intending to continue even once the trail is no longer, you know, my main focus. You know, I, I've got two little girls that are, you know, four and two months and they're, I want to raise them to hike and love it and find a way to make things, you know, do something. And, you know, just because it's not available or it's not a current option, that doesn't mean that it's off the table. And I think that it's going to give them that opportunity to see the world in a different way than most of us are typically taught. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's going to be very valuable for them going down the road. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's so valuable to them to see you, well, your four-year-old at least, your two-month-old may not remember this moment, but, yeah. um, but to see you become fired up with this idea, with this concept, and then make it real, push to make it real, create something out of sort of nothing, and, yeah. and how that inspires them to potentially do the same things in their lives. Absolutely. When you talked to your father and said, hey, dad, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about doing this. You want to join me? What was his response? <laughs> well, so when I first told him about the idea, uh, I mean, everyone was generally supportive. But, I mean, I think he he immediately locked in, you know, with the same mentality like when we used to talk about the AT. And, and I mean, and so he was immediately just, okay, that's awesome. That's really, you know, cause he hasn't been out here yet since we moved out. Um, you know, I haven't even seen my dad in two years. Mm. Um, and so we're, you know, it, it's, it, he just immediately was like, all right, you should check out these folks, reach out here, see, you know, talk to, the, to them. And so it was just constant, just reach, you know, us bouncing ideas off of each other. And then, as it progressed, you know, I was talking to my wife one day and she goes, Hey, why? Cause she did not like the idea of me doing this by myself. And so she goes, what about having your dad come out and do it with you? And so I said, Hey, what do you think? What, you know, are you available during this time to come out? He's like, well, I mean, it, and this was all pre COVID. So, well, it's kind of, you know, expensive and it's a long way out there. I said, well, let's remove that from the table. If that's not, an issue. Are you down? And he said, yes. So, you know, we, we kind of came up with the uh, plan to try to prep for it and get ready. And he's kind of done, done a little bit of the, the thin hoodie, just getting, getting in that, you know, shape to, to get out here and put those miles in. So yeah, I know he's been really excited about it and we've, we talk every few days and even if it's just for me to call him, give my dad a dump, tell him, you know, about Gaia and hang up real quick. And, you know, with, with the six hour time difference, it does get a little weird talking back, you know, across the a quarter of the uh, globe. So, but no, he, he's definitely down. And I think the, the distance that I throw at him is he's like, well, we can try it, <laughs> but you know, we're, we don't have a, 
we don't have a timeline to operate on other than, you know, overall. So, you know, if we get up early and start walking and take a break and keep moving, you know, it's not a, a rush. It's just, let's keep a, a generally decent pace. Like if we, if we keep three miles an hour, there's no reason this shouldn't happen. It's like the perfect father son bonding adventure. Yeah. I mean, from, like I said, you know, my entire life. So when, when my dad found out he was having a boy, he went and got involved in Boy Scouts. So I grew up going on campouts with him. I mean, some of my earliest memories are, you know, sitting around a campfire and him and waking up as he's like picking me up and taking me and putting me to bed in, in the tent. You know, that, that's what we did. You know, I, I remember hiking the, the Jack's River Trail and, Georgia and uh, the Georgia Tennessee line. I mean, that was the first real, you know, backpacking experience. You know, it wasn't just putting on a backpack and walking. Like we were crossing the river, and you know, we, we had had to deal with you know injuries and stuff like that. For you know, one of the boys broke his knee, and uh. you know that was a thing. So we were we're going and doing that. You know, we did long distance canoe trips and. You know, and those are the things that throughout the years were always a recurring theme, a recurring story and topic of conversation that, you know, for our relationship. And, you know, and like you said, you know, this is going to be one of those things that this is going to add to that. And it's going to continue on, you know, for the next, you know, however long. And so it's, you know, just adding that much more to that list to, to talk about. And, you know, we've actually, we've already kind of batted around a couple other ideas of, well, what next? <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah. So, so what ideas have you batted around for what's next? Well, so uh, one that, that we tossed around and I say we, I mean, I, I threw at him while he was on vacation and he was telling me that I was crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've always, always thought it'd be cool to canoe the Mississippi. He doesn't think it's as cool as I do, but kayaking, trying to find a kayak path from, uh, like Tennessee down to the Atlantic would be pretty cool, uh, endeavor since, like I said, we'd done the long distance canoe trips that, you know, this would give us an opportunity to kind of do something like that again and just, you know, put some distance in and all that. So we were looking at the different uh, watersheds and, you know, what directions the different rivers go in Georgia and how we would manage to make it down there. So that that was a, a big one that, that we kind of tossed around. Or again, I, I tossed around at him. <laughs> you use we metaphorically. Yeah, it, like the royal we. <laughs> Is there any, has there been any conversation between the two of you about doing the AT or doing a section of the AT or anything like that? Um, so we are, we've definitely talked about, um, the Pinhody just cause like he, he's done a little bit of it and, um, you know, and I followed along when, uh, with Darwin doing it actually. And so, you know, we've had that conversation. The AT, it's out, like, it, it's been batted around 
you know, myself having, you know, two young girls, um, is it something I want to do? Absolutely. But it, it would be, it's one of those things where it's going to be a, a logistical thing to figure out. And I wouldn't really want to be away from them for that long. So it's probably something I'd have to wait for quite a while on, but you know, Zipkin Hody or sections of the AT or, um, you know, like the Timberline or Wonderland would be definitely within the wheelhouse for timeline wise. Um, and I'm hoping that Rowan, my four year old will, you know, really kind of pick up on the interest level for hiking and what, what it offers and, and what, you know, the potential for like an alternative lifestyle than how my wife and I were raised is going to offer as well. Well, she already seems to be doing quite a bit of uh, hiking with you. Oh yeah. Uh, she does. She loves it. She likes, you know, looking for treasures. She's convinced that my knife is only good for, finding and prying opihi off of rocks, uh, you know, a little shellfish thing out here. But I tell you, at the moment, if she gets sand in her shoe, the world is coming to an end. And <laughs> Hawaii only has a little bit of sand. So, but no, she does really. Will she or your wife or, or your family overall be able to join you at all for some of this coastline trail? So, uh, another layer of the logistics that have gone into this is, is so my dad's flying out on the fourth, boy, the third, and then the fourth we start. You know, I, I need to be back to work, not that Monday, but the following Monday. So my wife's dad is actually, him and, and his family are coming out. I think they fly out on the fourth. So basically, Tori's going to drop me off in North Shore and then go down to the airport to pick up her dad. And so he and and her stepmom are going to help out while I'm away with the girls. I'm really hoping that, you know, because everything's going to be within driving distance for, for us, you know, as far as the, the support team aspect, I'm hoping I'll be able to send her with, you know, like the, the video cards and stuff like that so she can download things, hoping that she's going to be able to bring Rowan out at, at some point. So she can camp with us as well. And, you know, cause we've got the two month old, so she's, yeah. she's still super floppy and <laughs> she does okay when we hike, but you know, she's got to be strapped on the whole time. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that'll be good. It'll, it'll give, she'll have that support. And if I'm not mistaken, based on our 10 day plan, her dad will be, I think he leaves either the day we get back or the day before. So it, it's going to work out really well from that perspective. And so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. You know, the, the fact that that all worked out as well. Well, it's so interesting. And I guess I didn't, until you just said it, I didn't really think about it, but doing it logistically because you're on the Island and it's completely circumnavigatable by car easily. So, you mm-hmm. know, they can, as you say, you know, swap out video cards or if they, if you needed to swap out something else, if you guys needed a little extra logistical help, that's relatively easy in the scheme of, of trail yeah. life, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that we've kind of tossed around is, you know, 
to what degree do, do we need to pack for multiple days? You know, like, mm-hmm. should we, do we commit to what goes in our bag? You know, what we already have goes in our bag and that's it. And, you know, like if you were starting on the AT, like that's mm-hmm. what you have. Either you send things back, you know, at a later date or you suck it up and deal with it. Um, or do we run a little lighter in order to account for, you know, the fact that like, I, I know that I'm going to add extra miles personally, you know, with the run up, set up a camera, run back, put on the pack, walk <laughs> past it. That, uh, you know, yeah. the, especially the, the YouTube, you know, heavy hikers, uh, you know, have, have had to do, you know, and, and so I think that that's going to play a big role. And especially from the support crew aspect of that, Tori is going to be absolutely invaluable. And, but she has told me flat out, she's like, I am not driving to the coast every day to figure out where you are. <laughs> but I think that's going to be part of it, you know? Yeah, no, it's definitely part of it, I think. But it's, I love how she's, she's already set, uh, parameters on your, your, uh, logistical help versus your full on nature through hike experience. Oh yeah. No, she was like, you, you wanted to do this. <laughs> so you're going to you experience sort it. That out. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, I mean, in the, what's the worst thing that happens on that? That we're forced to experience the trail like someone who flies out to do it. And. Yep. That's what it's all about, you know, you know, and being able to, to do this, you know, with, with my family, with this full support team is absolutely insane. It, it's so cool to, you know, be able to, to, to work this all out and make it happen. Yeah. I, I can't say enough, you know, great things about them. I, I'm so pumped about it. So what was, what was Tori's response when you floated this out? When you, when you sort of, birthed the idea of of the trail so a few things with us so we've been married 10 years and like i said overdoing things wanting to do too much in a travel setting is should go on my headstone because it it has been part of me my whole life is you know when i was in design school in college it was I always did way, 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 way more than was needed. And that was, that's just me. I, I like I, something about moving, going, doing like the journey itself is so built into who I am that the idea of taking it easy or slowing down, it, it doesn't register. I, I get really bored really quick and, you know, I, I have to be doing something. And so, you know, that, that has translated over the years into, you know, our, our many travels and like traveling through Europe. I mean, shoot, we did, we, we regularly discuss our, our travels and, you know, say things like, you know, we would crush a European city in a day. Like Rome, we walked back and forth across Rome in a day. And like we were passing things, hitting all the big sites and then going, well, I guess we could go back and check this thing out and I mean, just, just pounding the pavement all day. And that's just who we are. We, we go and we see it and take it in and keep moving. And so with all that in mind, when it came to me floating the idea of walking around the Island, she wasn't surprised. 
I think that she, to this day, she's still a little surprised that it's really taken hold and that it's kind of becoming a thing. You know, she helps me with the, the social media stuff. So she knows what, what I'm putting in and what, what, you know, research I'm doing and who I'm talking to. And, you know, and she's, she regularly, even though she's definitely taking care, taking more care of a two month old than I can, you know, it's still, what do you need? How, how can I help you? And I mean, it's, like I said, she wasn't surprised and just the, the support on top of just, you know, being a wife, being a best friend, you know, being an amazing mom. She's also taken this on. And other than telling me I'm crazy, <laughs> hasn't complained once. At a certain point, I would expect that the uh, the enthusiasm for the trail sort of builds a momentum of its own. It does. Um, and I think, like, with her, I think that a lot of the enthusiasm at this juncture is more so in me leaving and doing it so she can stop hearing about it for about <laughs> 10 days. Uh and then you'll come back and you'll be fired up. Oh man. It will, and we're, we're already talking about like, what, what does it look like for us? What is, how do we parlay the ideas and the, the, the concepts and what, what we have learned through this and through our other travels, uh, and through our, our idea of what being an effective couple and parent looks like and, and being able to, to roll all that together and provide that that life for our girls like what does that look like for us how do we what are our next steps how do we continue to move forward uh and not fall back into a a level of complacency that we see or that you know we would worry about you know if we were to you know go home like do and we're back around the same folks as before like as amazing as that would be you know how would we make sure that we didn't fall back into the you know buying a house, putting, you know, and just constantly adding things to the house rather than, hey, let's go see a new thing and walk and bike and kayak or, you know, whatever that goes into it. How do we make sure that that adventure and travel lifestyle and mindset and, you know, healthy living shines when it comes to the decisions that we make and that our girls eventually will make for themselves? Right. Show, showing them the the path. Yeah, absolutely. This is the way. Do you feel like that? I mean, I think you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I guess I want to hammer it home a little bit more. But about how, you know, you looking at your daughters and wanting to create a, a vision for them uh, of what, you know, what their possibilities could look like, what their lives could look like with taking on this big task of the coastline trail uh, or the Oahu coastline trail and making that a reality and doing that hike versus, or in addition to like what you were just talking about of, of keeping adventure alive in your life and in their lives. So, yeah, I think that it's with regard to that, you know, it's, I look at, like, so for me, the things that, that have really impacted me and, uh, the way that I look at adventure and, and exploration, you know, I, I you know, I, I've done a lot of reading of, you know, the different, you know, amazing great explorers throughout, you know, the years. I mean, you know, 
Ernest Shackleton, you know, you Sir Edmund Hillary, you know, all these amazing guys who who went out and they did things and you know and pushed these boundaries and, and expanded not only what we know about an area but the understanding of what it takes to operate in that area. And you know, in that that stuff would always kind of like it it, it resounded with me and, and I would look at it. Well, you know, we, we know what the earth offers. And, and it's like I, I guess the sense of exploration is over. And then you know, as I continued to read and I started to, to research and learn more of these newer aged explorers who are still pushing those boundaries. You know, you've got Laval Saint Germain, um, the, the Canadian pilot who, who's done some amazing things. Um, I mean, I followed along when he did, uh, I believe it was a, a solo trek to the South Pole. Mario Rigby, you know, another huge one. And, and I, I think he walked across Africa. People are still doing things. They're, they're out there and they're pushing and they're, they're trying things. And, you know, and, it, and it's not about, like you only hear about the successes of, you know, Stratton and Hillary or the spectacular fails, uh, failures of Ernest Shackleton. So, and, and, you know, but at the same time, that was a victory in and of itself. And so, but the, like I said, the process is what's so intriguing to me and developing that mindset of a failure is not a bad thing. You know, part of my life and who I am and by always pushing and adding and doing like, you know, I've experienced a lot of failure or setbacks, but as time's gone on, I've been able to figure out, well, okay, well that for me, that looks like an opportunity. That's a, that's something that we learned that, you know, if, in order to avoid repeating the same mistakes over and over, like how do we grow from it and how do we make whatever this ultimate goal is happen? How do we find a way to see it through? You know, it's, nothing's insurmountable. So how do you get there? And, you know, and part of that, like for, for Rowan, you know, Hazel's still pretty new. So she, she doesn't know at the moment, but you know, with Rowan, it's like, I, I try so hard to, expose her to these different things, different stories, different, um, you know, even simple things. I'd like to show her different shows on Netflix because I want her to, to have this rounded view and see how different people interact and what they look at. And, you know, like we go, we've taken Rowan traveling, you know, we've taken her to Spain, taken her to Australia and Japan. She doesn't care. Like she's good. She'll eat whatever. And she's happy and she's playing and, you know, and having a sense about her that she is not, that, you know, change will not negatively impact her or upset her. She is totally cool with it and takes, you know, takes the hits and rolls with it and continues moving, still tries, still learns, and still, you know, at the end of the day is still, you know, kind and wants to, you know, interact with people and, Developing those things and that, that sense is what's been so important to, you know, us as parents. And I think that, you know, this sense of exploration and development of a new thing that's going to put people in nature and even protect land is just, it's another level to that. She may never want to do anything with hiking. She'll have experienced it, but she may not want to do that. And that's okay. But she'll know 
what what goes into it. Uh, I don't see that actually happening. <laughs> she she constantly talks about camping, always wants me to set up the tent and sleep in the backyard with her. So, which actually I'll probably have to do tonight. So, <laughs> and just yeah, it's just fostering that that spirit of, of you know creativity and being able to implement that. It you know it doesn't have to just be a painting. It doesn't have to be an illustration. Like, how can you create something new? How can you design? something to change the way things are already done in a way that positively impacts the future. Yeah. And I, I love what you say, or you said about not fearing her, not fearing change and not fearing failure. Failure is only failure. If it just completely stops you or if it paralyzes you. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I was thinking about, uh, I think it was Sarah Blakely who's was tell the story about her father and, and who would greet them when they came home and, and had dinner each night and would ask them what they did that day, what they failed at that day, basically, as a way to, you know, keep them attempting big, you know, and not fearing, mm-hmm. and not fearing the failure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you said it perfectly. You know, it's, it's only failure if you stop. You know, it's okay to catch your breath, figure out what the next move is, but don't stop because complacency sets in and, you know, you, you stop, you, you, you no longer are moving forward in, and it's never just that one area of life. If you shut down, it will, it stops you in other areas as well. True. And, and, you know, you, you set a limit and put it in a box of what the capability is for whatever the endeavor is and for yourself. And, you know, like, can I fly? No, but I know ways to get around that. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's that simple. Yeah. So, you know, it, and yeah, I think that it's, it's so, it, I, I remember I put it in a post cause I was having one of those, you know, feeling deep kind of moments. And I, the trail is no longer about me walking around the island. It is, it has become, you know, an opportunity to just illustrate one, one minor version of taking an idea and run with it, running with it and figuring out everything that goes into it and how to, you know, put a positive spin on it and in order to, you know, help other people and show them how, how to do different things. And I get, as we were, as we were talking about earlier, like with Gaia, you know, by doing that, by putting that out there, by doing it, you're also then manifesting the the things that you need, the things that will help to make this a reality. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I've reached out to so many different people and groups and companies and, you know, and I know like some of them, they have other things to worry about, especially with COVID. Like, and I get that. And that's cool. Like I said, I'm not scared of a no. I just, it's just important to, to try, figure out a way, at least every day, do at least one thing that helps move your idea forward. And, you know, for me right now, it's this trail. Like, how do I continue this and, and move where in a, in a field that I don't have the experience in? I'm not an expert. I'm not a trail builder. I'm not a coordinator. I'm a business consultant out of Honolulu. Like, <laughs> But I'm 
I'm using what I have and my background to put the pieces together. And, you know, and I, and I try to be open about that with people that like, I'm not an expert. I'm learning. And, you know, and that's part of the reason that, you know, with my, my Instagram page, like it, it's documenting those hundred days between starting, like, you know, the, the first steps of the process to putting boots on trail because partially it, it was supposed to start earlier, but when Hazel was due, I didn't want to be trying to deal with all that and, you know, the birth of a child. So I was like, hundred days sounds good. And, but it's, it, you know, figuring out that, that way and how to move through and, you know, and like I said, I, I'm already looking into that next thing and what, what does that look like? And, you know, I don't know if legacy is the right word for it, but, you know, I do regularly think about what is it that when I'm dead and gone that my girls are going to be able to tell their kids about and say, hey, your grandpa did this cool thing and, you know, show them these cool pictures and, you know, and it's not just a situation of, oh, well, who who was grandpa's? Well, he was a business consultant and that's it. Like I don't yeah. want the story to end there. You know, I, I know I'll never be, you know, a Sir Edmund Hillary. I get that. And that's fine. But if I can do some cool things that help folks out, you know, I'll put in the time for it. I think pretty much every one of your posts, you sort of, your, your signature sign out was, you know, if you have any ideas about, things I can do or people I can contact or whatever, please let me know. <laughs> yeah. Anything. And I've actually, I've had some really good responses on that. You know, I mean, so one of the considerations for Hawaii, you know, they're not, they're not the people that I grew up with, you know, in mm-hmm. Georgia, like, you know, I, I know that culture. I know how to interact with those people specifically, because that's what I grew up with. And so learning about, Hawaiian culture, learning about the influence and the um, the familial impact that you know elders have here, and you know one of the things that I'm going to have to work towards, um, likely after I actually do the trail, is working with local communities on you know letting them know what my intention is, and kind of trying to help you know, make sure that they understand that like, this is not, this will only benefit them will cost nothing and will, you know, help alleviate some other issues that are always inherently in, you know, in play, um, you know, by having that extra layer of awareness and protection for part of their beach systems, you know, that helps prevent them from being, then being, you know, relegated to commercial use or uh, helps them to be, you know, maintained in such a way to keep with, you know, uh, whoever it is that manages it, you know, whether it be the, the park service or, you know, if the federal government has their own distinct groups that handle that. So, you know, it's already kind of going to be positively managed through the state and the county, but this will also allow, have that extra layer to help keep this island and, and especially, you know, the beaches protected and you know that's a lot of what the the local population and, and the folks that I work with because I, I I've told them about it and they said you know you know I, I'm I'm a white guy from Georgia 
in basically a foreign land and I'm trying to do this thing that impacts your culture. How do I do this in a responsible and respectful way and, and make a positive change rather than what will be viewed as a, a negative change or, you know, an overstep from, you know, what is it, someone who's yeah. an outsider? From a Howley. Yeah. I didn't want to throw it out there, but yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just be real. Well, yeah. And it's, it's also like potentially a, a wonderful opportunity to, cause Hawaii has such an amazing history. You speak about the culture, which is amazing as well, but also an amazing history. Um, you yeah. know, and, and this could be a, a wonderful way to, to, I hate using the way, word educate because that sounds very boring, but to, yeah. I guess, teach people or help people grasp like the full and beautiful history that is Hawaii and Oahu and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, their, their awareness in that. And I can say, you know, from even from my own perspective, what did I know about Hawaii before moving out here? It was a beautiful, like, you know, beachy destination and World War II. Yeah. Well, it existed before 1941. So I mean, there was more <laughs> to the story. Yep. And so, you know, learn, since being here, you know, learning about the, you know, the different Polynesian groups that came through and how they all, you know, interacted, um, you know, the, the influence, you know, I heard somewhere that Hawaii has the, the largest group of, uh, or the lar- largest concentration of Japanese population outside of Japan. And, and like that, and I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, the moment I heard that, I went, yeah, I, that adds up. And just, you know, being able to see these different things and interact with people who are different because they've, they've had this different background, different ideology, uh, you know, different concept of how things work and that's I mean that's such a, a an interesting you know way and it also it, it increases your level of introspection because you have to base what you've learned and how you've grown up against that idea and decide for yourself where that falls yeah I think that it, it's you know and being able to see that and see you know like how think about the fact that people who were although technologically for their time and their population, you know, doing well compared to what we are now, they rode in sailed boats by the stars to the most remote island chain in the world. Yep. That is mind blowing. <laughs> like that is absolutely mind blowing. And, and the fact, you know, these islands didn't exist 50,000 years ago. They're relatively new from a geological perspective. There's endangered and endemic species here of both plants and animals. So you won't see them anywhere else. And you may not see them again afterwards. And increasing that level of awareness and, and driving home, you know, the impact that you have as a person on the environment, both here and in other places, you know, like that, that's important. Uh, you know, there's, I was reading something not long ago, there's, I feel like it's some kind of marmot. Uh, and I think it's on the 
CDT, and, and it's as, as I guess as things the environment changes, they have to continue moving further and further up in the mountains in order to, I guess, operate however this animal operates. And as temperatures rise and things change, you know, it's effectively running out of territory because it has to continue moving higher. And eventually, you know, the mountains only go so high. Yeah. So, you know, seeing that impact on a different scale, you know, and, and increasing your awareness and also from a social perspective, you know, in seeing the Hawaiian uh, homeless population, like I'm not talking one person sitting, you know, on a street corner, like, you know, that a lot of us have probably seen over the years. I'm talking full blown homeless camps, you know, that are very large, you know, hundreds of people that, you know, in seeing that this is a standard of, you know, the Hawaiian islands and, you know, is, is it a beautiful thing? No, but, you know, seeing it in person is so much different than seeing it in a picture or hearing about it secondhand from someone who was at a resort. Like it's different. And, you know, that increase and that change, like that's, that's how people's minds are going to start to be changed about how they can impact things and what they can do to positively impact the world around them. Amen. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should? I think that it, it's, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Um, the only real idea I have is when it comes to changing the, the, the mentality for how, how Hawaii can address their, um, their camping restrictions. Because currently you can buy a, a permit for camping in a, specified campsites, but in order to help how, how we can provide a way to alleviate the pressure of, you know, the, the rem removing the, the beaches from that equation and whatnot. Um, and I, at the moment, all I can I've come up with is, you know, when it comes to an alteration in that permitting aspect, how to move, you know, I guess develop a, a, a class as it were, that if someone were to want to come out here and do this, they would have to, you know, learn about at least the basics of leave no trace. They'd have to learn about that endemic and endangered, you know, mm -hmm. animals and plants, what they can do on that front, how, and, you know, and basically also, you know, release any private landowner from liability of, you know, accident happening, you know, barring, you know, intentional something. So, and changing that, that permit. So that's, that's probably going to be the biggest push outside of winning over the local population is how do we get the government in that's in place to listen and help figure out, you know, move forward and figure out that way to do it. And, you know, and I, the, the best way that I've come up with and from the different people I've talked to, you know, they say it's just increasing, you know, the, the interest in it. So, you know, it, the more people that, are interested and want to come along and, and learn about it. And, you know, it, it, it's just going to become that much easier if when we present it, we can say, Hey, there's also 10,000 people that have a vested interest in this project. So I, that, that's about it for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Where can people find you to follow this this uh, through hike around Oahu and the continuing information that you're putting out about the development of the Oahu Coastline Trail? Instagram, uh, we've got it's the underscore OCT underscore project. And also you can look up the Oahu Coastline Trail Project on Facebook. Uh, we've got a page there as well. And I'm hoping to be able to put together a YouTube page in the next few days and start posting on there. Um, but on top of everything else, you know, I've got to learn how to process video. So that's the, that's the plan at the moment. Um, oh, yeah. Actually, another thing came through um, yesterday or the day before. Um, so, I, I mean, I feel like everyone kind of knows Darwin, but he set up um, he's part of the, the Outdoor Evolution and so I've actually been talking with Einstein and he's actually helping me out, get uh, some article space and they're going to help, uh, help promote for us. So that's going to be really huge as well. You know, increasing and having that kind of backup on, uh, getting the word out and, you know, from other, you know, really experienced hikers and, you know, helping us come up with things that we're going to need to kind of consider as to, you know, coming from two, you know, occasional day hikers over the last 30 years. Wonderful. I mean, that's amazing. Like you got that all put together. Yeah. <laughs> Th- these things just, I, I, like that, I, I find a name and a reach out. <laughs> and literally everything has rolled in in the last week and last week or two. And so, I mean, it's absolutely wonderful. I mean, I, I've always kind of had this concept that when it comes down to it, like if something's supposed to happen, it'll happen. And, you know, not that you won't necessarily have to work for it, but it, it'll work its way through. If not, the door will shut and like, don't, there's no reason to fight it. Cause that means there's something else better on the horizon. So yeah, it, again, that's why everything about this trip, this endeavor, it's like, it's only been, you know, positivity. It's only been people reaching out and helping and, you know, responding and, and all that. I mean, so I, I know that as, as it progresses and even, you know, once the trail is, is complete, you know, it, it's just going to be on to the next thing. And yeah, it's been absolutely just an amazing experience so far. Yeah. It is the perfect adventure. Absolutely. Show notes for John's episode can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. A special thanks to John for sharing his journey of creating the Oahu Coastline Trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. On next week's episode, I'll be talking with Ben Crawford, better known on Instagram as Fight for Together, about his new book, 2,000 Miles Together, and the story of the largest family to hike the Appalachian Trail. I hope that this conversation, these conversations, inspire you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>